When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, Valley Sickos? It's the PHNX Sun Show live here, or if you're listening to us on the podcast, I am excited to be joined, as always, by the man, the myth, the legend. It's uh, the girth, Gerald Bourget, and one of my good friends, I'll call you that today. It's Saul Bookman. We're brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one rated sportsbook app. Use that code PHNX when you sign up. Bet $5 on any any NBA team to win, and you're going to get $125 in free bets. Gentlemen, where are we on the Suns stages of grief today? Oh, you know, I forgot to turn mine in. but Well, it's fine. We'll just verbalize it. It's all right. I'm over it, to be honest with you. I'm over it. It was easy to kind of get over. The way you lost, it just, it really made me feel like we weren't even really that close this year. So you're in denial? Is that this? No. <laughs> like, I, I, I feel like I'm over. Acceptance. I'm just moved on. Like, okay. I've accepted it. Like, it's over. I'm still 100% in denial. It's going to take all summer to process what the hell that was. All summer? All su- I'm not kidding you. That was one of the more, and I've, you know, I was there since 2014. So I saw a lot of the horrible losses. That was the worst one that I've ever seen, just in terms of what was at stake. But that was tra- that was the stuff of trauma. Like, like to me, it didn't feel like that was traumatic as much as like Paxson hitting the three, and you're just replaying it over so in your head. In that's terms heartbreak of, for sure. Like, yeah, that's like to me, that's trauma. Like, oh my god, we were so close. Why did you do this, or why did you do that? And you could break down every little small thing. This, it felt like from the jump, we didn't have a shot. It was over from the beginning. Like, and so but that's. So it's like a different thing. Like, I feel like it's more just like demoralizing, downbeaten, like you got your ass beat and you were supposed to be a title contender. It's like a different offshoot of the trauma tree that yeah. we're I think. I, I think the traumatic part actually comes from, since you said that, it comes from now we're going to get into next season mm-hmm. and nothing's going to feel real until we get to the playoffs again. Yeah, no. nothing's going to matter. Nothing's going to matter. You can't, you can't. This is why we have trust I'm issues. Like, oh, cool! You guys went eighty and two. I don't care. Let's see yeah. what happens in the first round, second I, round. I sure as hell ain't saying the Suns are the best team in the NBA at any point in the regular season. I learned my lesson there, and yeah. I say that until yeah. November. And I'll be screaming at the top. Game of my three, life. Suns are three and zero. The Phoenix Suns uh, are the best team in the NBA. Look, uh, I'm still in anger, but yesterday mm. I was kind of angry at myself for buying into the team. <laughs> now I'm just full fledged angry at the team for what happened. You're always so. angry though. It's not fair. Sometimes I'm no. I'm downtrodden. You don't know how to let it go. You just I, gotta let it go. Sometimes, sometimes let it go. I really let hope Saul go. swings tomorrow and he's in <laughs> some other stage that it, acceptance it doesn't happen. So I, I'm uh, glad that Saul is so calm now. Before we start talking about DA, this bodes well because if you had come in with with that type of energy, we'd be in trouble today. <laughs> Let's check out what some of the chat is saying. Hello yourself. says, yeah. uh, "Good, I was tired of it." As for you saying. It was my sons and four on me saying the Phoenix Suns were the best team in the NBA. Coach. Ironically enough, when I, I tweeted that out, when we were up 2-0 and all those fucking fans, see, now you want to skip I, I hit, I said All those off. fans were like, oh, sons and four. If this didn't teach you a lesson, that is now two series that have happened where we've gotten eliminated after going up 2-0 mm-hmm. where sons were like, sons and four, sons and four. And then after game five, people were saying, sons and six, sons yeah, and six. That, that, like, that just never bodes well for us. So stop. Nope. Mine was at least factually true. Yes. They were at the yeah. top of the standings. <laughs> at the moment I said it, factually true. So that's uh, I'll, I'll defend myself that way. Code says, I'm dead inside, uh, referring to how uh, how he's dealing with yeah. all this. Uh, so uh, Rudy Roman in the chat says, still annoyed but better. Uh, so, you know, there are people that are starting to move through these stages of grief. But one of the things that we're going to have to take a deep dive, and that's what today is all about, is 
Where do we stand with DeAndre Ayton? We all know Game 7, some weird crap went down with DeAndre. He played 17 minutes, uh, you know, from the inside source, Little Wayne. Supposedly, Monty Williams got upset with Ayton and said, quote, you freaking quit on us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ayton supposedly chirped back uh, and, and said, according to some people, that he wasn't going to check back into the game. Basically, chaos is what what it. But it what came did Da say though? Like, I, like that's the thing that I'm I'm getting a little aggravated about is like you heard what Monty said, but how did you not hear what Da said? Especially if he's shouting at Monty and they're relatively right in front of you. So like, Supposed, what did Da say? Supposedly, he said he wasn't going to check back into the game when I asked. He said it just like that. That. From what yeah, we've seen on Twitter, I I don't we don't know. That's what I'm saying. This we don't know either of it, but we know some kind of altercation, not physical, disagreement. but appeared, disagreement yeah, user, yeah. happened on the sideline where the two uh, obviously weren't happy with each other, right? And, th- and there was a clip of him on the bench, not at that moment, but earlier in the game, I think um, our friend Shrieker posted it on Twitter, and you can kind of lip read. It's not. This is not a 100% perfect science, but it looked like he said, I can't pass me the ball. So it stemmed from what we've been talking about as far as this balancing app the Suns have struck all season. They've got a number one pick who sacrificed his entire time in here for the good of the team, didn't get the contract that he wanted and that we all felt he deserved last summer. Um, And he wanted to do more this season. He was very vocal about that. He was very vocal about not wanting to be a traditional big man. And I think... For the most part, this season, they did a good job of allowing him to do a little bit more within the offense. We talked about how he improved on his hook shot, his mid-range touch. Um, He was allowed to shoot more threes, all of it. He was allowed to expand his game a little bit. But in the playoffs, we didn't see that same thing. And in Game 7 especially, and there were a lot of mistakes that were made in that game on both sides. I don't want anybody to think that we are painting D.A. as the scapegoat for why they lost that game or that series. Um, But there were some instances where he could have been more aggressive, and there were a lot of instances where the Suns threw up terrible shots and didn't even get him involved. So this is a a case of the two sides not seeing eye-to-eye, not meeting in the middle, and the result is a blow-up that was months in the making and could have been nipped in the bud if they had just taken care of business and given him a max extension last summer. I think, you know, it's, listen, it's okay for DA to, to play the role of company man Mm -hmm. um, and realize like, okay, well, maybe I'll have faith that this will get worked out. Mm -hmm. Um, And as the season goes along and things are going good, you're like, okay, this is trending up. Everything's going good. And then you get to a point where you start to see the ship kind of rock and you're starting to see who the hell's rowing. And you're like, uh, hey guys, what the f are we doing? Yeah, where are we going? And then you realize the ship is sinking, and you really had nothing to do with it to a degree, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and you start to get frustrated. You're like, no, let me paddle now. Like, and I think that's kind of where where Da's at, right? He's frustrated because he did, he was a team player, yeah. you know, and, and nobody can dispute that. He he, he, he sacrificed. He very much sure. sacrificed for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, he should have been more aggressive, in my opinion. I've been saying that since day one. Like sometimes you just gotta be like, man, f it, I'm gonna do it myself. And mm-hmm. he didn't do a good job of doing that. He doesn't have some of the skills necessary to do it at a at a consistent level either, um, which we'll get into in a second. Well, I mean, he's let's be fair. At times, he slept walk through things too. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It, it isn't. One thousand percent on just the offense getting it to him, but yes, they could have done a much better job of setting him up to play well. Uh, it's very easy to sleepwalk through things when you know you're not going to be utilized. To be I honest, I mean that's with you. fair, but there's Game, also certain elements he could have done better. Right. Sure. I, I I dove into this in the article that I wrote for today. Game seven was like the worst case scenario of both the Suns not getting him involved and not feeding Da, as we like to talk about and D.A. not doing the things that make him so effective. Like, just in the first quarter alone, like two minutes into the game, there was a play where the Suns had a fast break, and D.A. didn't even bother running down the court on offense. And then, like, he allowed himself to be boxed out by Maxi Kleber on a couple of plays where he had room, if he was sprinting or going full speed, to try and crash the boards. He could have got there, didn't do it. Um, And again, part of that probably stems from the Suns' lack of any offensive execution like I went back and watched the first half back because I like to torture myself apparently but like 
they were just throwing up ridiculous shit, like hoping, praying it yeah. would go in, trying to draw fouls. There was no rhythm, no ball movement. It was just everybody looking timid, everybody looking scared of the moment, and nobody knowing what to do. And then by the time DA did actually, you know, set a strong screen and roll hard, you know, he missed, he had those two misses back to back where he mm -hmm. missed the hook shot and then missed the putback. And at that point, the game had just been blown wide open. So it was kind of a comedy of errors in terms of everything possible going wrong. And, and both sides deserve, bl deserve blame for that. Yeah. I mean, and it feels like this was almost destined to happen at some point if, if things ever went sideways, the DA. His frustration would boil over both sides mm -hmm. would. I don't blame anybody, but what I did find interesting is what Monty Williams yesterday in his exit interview had to say about the situation. Yeah, the, you know, DeAndre situation is something that we'll deal with this summer. I, I don't want to say anything that in regards to that. Um, James and I are going to have conversations about the team in general. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting how he talks about this. And mm -hmm. I, I just, when you hear what Monty has to say, it makes me think we're, we may be close to, to the end of DeAndre's time in Phoenix. It, it feels that way. His future is very murky, and it doesn't help that the guy who escorted them out of the playoffs is the guy that, you know, we know now they should have taken number one overall. It, it just adds insult to injury and you look at the system that they want to run, you look at how that clashes with what DA wants to do, how he wants to grow his game, as he should as a number one pick and a 23-year-old with room to grow. Um, it, it just feels like his future's in doubt. I had asked Monty another question about you know, the Suns' young core and where they can improve because when teams do key in on Book and CP3, as we saw in that playoff series, they needed Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson to step up, and those guys didn't. And I mentioned D.A. specifically as part of that core four, those young guys. And he kind of uh, he, he didn't mention D.A. specifically, he mentioned Mikhail, he mentioned Cam. He mentioned Landry Shamit, which I know is going to piss <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> off, including the, the man next. to us. Yeah. And I, and I think he was talking about ball handlers yeah. just as part of the system in that question. But he also mentioned that after that incident, because someone asked, OK, have you talked to D.A.? Um, and this was the day after the Game 7 loss. Have you talked to him? Uh, this is what Monty had to say about that. You know, when you took, took Aiden out, I think it was around 8.26 left. And sure. it looked like there was some interaction there. And then Yaki didn't put him back in. I, I respect the fact of you saying it was eternal. But did you did you and him talk it out after the game? Because it, it, just, it just, the way that ended. Sure. Yeah. No, we didn't. Um, and you guys know me well enough. Like I'm going to do everything I can to help us win games. And, you know, at that point with the lead where it was, um, I made a decision to not, not put him back in the game and I'll, I'll keep all of the internal stuff internal, but it was just a decision that I made. Um, and I also got to a point where I didn't feel, feel like Chris and book, um, were going to help us. Uh, on that particular night, but I do understand the question, but no, we haven't talked. Um, I talked to the team today, but I have not talked to DA personal. And that I think is the most troubling thing because Monty seems like a guy that genuinely, uh, you know, when something like that happens would want to patch it up, want to have that conversation. You imagine DA is not going to be around the facility a lot. I would have expected you know, if he's a big part of the future, that Monty would have made it a point to go talk to him about what happened and discuss it. Now, he wouldn't have told us what they what they talked about, but I would have expected, yeah, DA and I talked about it earlier today. Do you want to attack this or you want me to? I'll, I'll just take it real quick. I agree with you. I think if DA was definitively in their plans moving forward, because James and Monty do talk about this stuff, he would have, A, reached out to him because that's the type of coach that he is, and B you know, he would have answered when they asked him, is he part of your long-term plans flat out? He would have given a much more assertive answer than we don't want to talk about that. We'll talk about that this summer. 
here we go. All right. <laughs> well, his hat says, well, well done's better than well said. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I'm going to say right now is, is like, listen, it's easy to be the cool players coach when things are going right. But things went disastrously wrong mm -hmm. in game seven. Everybody's got to swallow a little bit of humble pie mm -hmm. like of they course. just do. And I think Monty in this instance, I know he's the head coach. I know he's disappointed with the way maybe DA responded to him about quitting on the team. But at this point in time, when things are going rough, you have still got to be that guy to be able to try and calm everything down and talk some sense into him, whether he's going to be a part of the future or not. Because at, this, at, at the end of the day, he's still a young guy, right? He's 22, 23. What, what, I think he's 23, right? 23? 23. And he's still relatively immature. And he's still growing. And, they, and not immature in a bad way. He's just, you know, he has kid-like tendencies, which is fine. And I kind of like that about him. Mm -hmm. But Monty, uh, feeling the way he does, uh, you know, obviously from my impression, he's he's got to step it up to another level, right? And understand, like, he's had those moments where he was disgruntled about playing time or his positioning on the team. And it took a veteran or it took a, an experienced coach that has seen it and done it all to be able to be like, listen, you're, not, you're looking – at a, at a small picture of, of a really big um, story that's going on in your life. And you need to understand that everything you do is, is bigger than just this moment. And, and DA needs, needs some of that on his own as well. I understand that. But, um, and I also think it's a bad, bad move on, on Monty's part to sit there and say, and not really acknowledge DA because listen, you can't, you can't throw the team under the bus because he's still an asset you need to use moving forward, whether he's on the team or not. And when you when you kind of disregard him or, or, or don't acknowledge it, then you're kind of you're, you're kind of demeaning the own your own value your DA, of that. Uh, of, yeah, you're devaluing DA, and you can't do that because he he needs to be a valuable piece if you're going to try and get a superstar or a first round pick. Like that's still part of this equation, so you still got to play that game. And so I think Monty handled that poorly. I really do. Well, and I, I, I do think I do want to point out it was still fresh. Like this was less than 24 hours after they got their asses beat. I don't know what the future holds. There's still a possibility he's reached he's reached out by now or in the coming week. It's a long off season. I get your point. I think especially if you're going to address the team, you want to nip that in the bud. You want to have a direct conversation and get on the same page. I do wonder if this is a potential breaking point for what Monty wants to do with the team and what DA wants to do with his game. And that I think that came to a head in game seven, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that this is a situation where Monty needed to be better on that front. And I think DA like emotions were running hot. Like Monty was clearly pissed about it when he was asked about it and said, it's internal after game seven, DA was clearly pissed about it, not just because of what happened on the sidelines, but he didn't speak with us after game yeah. seven he uh we still haven't heard from him and, and any of the other players since that post game press conference so there's you know as bummed as we all feel as angry and depressed and whatever stage of grief we're dealing with as we feel those guys are still going through it themselves yeah. only they have everyone heaping on them right now and and deservedly so they talk shit all season they got their comeuppance but i think they're still very much going through and processing what the hell just happened just like we are uh, i I agree. I think there's a, there's a, a sense of that, and there are still heated emotions. But what caught, stood out to me wasn't what Monty said, wasn't DA not speaking to the media. It was when Devin Booker was asked about it, mm -hmm. and and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically they have to make sure that the DA's mentals are right. I mm -hmm. think was was the quote, and. That stood out to me as like, okay, it's it's not just this blow up with him and Monty. Uh it's it maybe it's beyond the contract stuff. Like, so I'm just gonna ask you guys this. What percentage chance do you think we're at as we sit here that DA's back next year? That he's on this roster? I mean anything could happen, but I, I would probably say it's less than fifty percent. I'd I'd put it at about fifty. Um, because there, there, you know, there's a lot of options that we're going to talk about, but the Suns still have the power to match any contract for him if they so choose. And sign and trades are harder to work out than people understand. There's a lot of complicated math involved in that. 
And you have to have a situation where all three parties agree to it, where the Suns feel they're getting enough compensation for the guy that's going out, where DA is getting the contract that he wants on a team that he wants to go to, and the team is getting the guy that they want, signing him to a big deal, and still not giving too much up. That's a lot of moving pieces to navigate. Um, I think he could be back. I think that some bridges definitely have to be mended before then, if that's going to be what unfolds. Um, I do think in the Devin Booker situation, he was talking more about the heat of the moment, what happened on the sideline and saying like, we just want to make sure I care about him as a brother. So just making sure his mental is right, making sure he's straight off the court. Um, so I don't think it was specifically pertaining to what's going to happen with his contract yeah. more. So just what happened in that game. Um, but yeah, it was interesting that he said, whatever happens, happens. It's kind of hard to look into the future and determine yeah. that right now. So I just don't, I, I just don't like how the, how DA gets a lot of the blame and he largely is, he receives most of the blame in every single game. Every time they lose, it, usually people are like, oh, it's DA's fault. Always DA's fault. Yeah. It's never Devin Booker. It's mm -hmm. never Chris Paul. It's never Mikael Bridges, who was an absolute tragedy in the playoffs outside of like two games. Like, no, not that he was good in the first round. Yeah, he, he, was he was all right. He was, he was good defensively and in, in, offensively, he was he averaged not like very 17. Good. He was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, 31 in the first helped round. a lot. Yeah, you but know what I mean, I, like, yeah, it, I just, there's small sample sizes. Mikhail Bridges should be, uh, you know, the way he his growth and development should be, and the same standard that DA's held to. Like, they they should have been at least on the same trajectory, and I just don't feel the same but way about Mikhail. Mikhail wasn't a number one pick, and Mikhail wasn't getting. Yeah, but Mikhail touches the ball a whole hell of a lot more than DA does, which is also another problem. I don't know if that's a problem. Mikhail has a perimeter skill set. DA doesn't he until he learns how to round. dribble the ball. He's not going to be that number two option. Guys want people want him to be. Well, when DA is gone, who's going to be that option? It ain't going to be Mikael Bridges. Uh, well, hopefully it's whoever you're trading <laughs> yeah. for likely, but look, I'm not putting on the chaps here and sitting on the fence, but I understand where both of you are coming from. All right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's, uh, a, that's a visual. As soon as you said that, I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> that was what? The point here. Like, no. look, I, I see where both of you are coming from, though. Mm. McHale was only nine selections uh, after mm. DA, and they traded up, and at the time it looked like it was a lot that you were giving up to move up to that 10 slot from 16. So he should have some of that pressure on him. But I see what Saul's saying in terms of DA has taken so much of the heat Everybody else team. gets a pass except for DA. I feel I like think that's true, seven, though. I do. Think I feel like true. a lot of the conversation has been: Is Devin Booker a legitimate superstar? Well, we need to trade bum get, Chris Paul. Mikael Bridges disappeared. Like I don't feel that at get, all. I feel like everybody's seven, been slandered, and rightfully so. Game seven, yes, everybody's taking heat. Mm. I think in totality, when you look at this season and and previous seasons, DA has taken a lot of uh, of shrapnel. For when they lose game seven, though, I think everybody's taking their fair yeah, share of you all sure, suck yeah. in this. Uh, but DA was the one that had the sideline blow up, which which makes uh, some of the attention go there. And he's the one that out of all of them you look at and you go, that's the piece that legitimately could be moved because of the contract and everything. Uh, what I want to talk about, though, is what are the possibilities? And Adrian Wojnarowski was on ESPN earlier uh, and he talked about what he's hearing when it comes to DA. Going into the season, DeAndre Ayton, you know, he did not feel valued by this Phoenix organization. They were not able to come to an agreement on his rookie extension. He saw all the other players in his class, or many of the top players, get extensions. He wanted a max deal. He would not move off that. So now he moves toward restricted free agency this summer, where now he'll have some more options. But ultimately, Phoenix can still match an offer out there uh, and, and keep him if he signs an offer sheet with another team. So you mentioned restricted free agency. What exactly does this summer look like for DeAndre Ayton? Well, you're going to look at the teams with cap space. A team like, let's say, for example, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Portland. Teams who could create enough cap space to go out and sign them. But also the, the discussions of a sign and trade, meaning teams who uh, maybe don't have the cap space. And if Phoenix decides they want to get assets back, for DeAndre and they don't want to match an offer sheet and either decide to pay him that max or uh, allow him to just leave for nothing, which I think is what they won't do. Uh, there'll be a lot of conversations around the league. DeAndre Ayton's going to get a max contract 
in the marketplace mm-hmm. somewhere. Phoenix really has to look at their sort of the allocation financially yep. of, of how they want to distribute salaries, money. That's what this is. You know, the relationship with Monty Williams had been one of the real benefits. I think their uh, ability to work together and build a relationship. It'll be interesting to see how, how that season ended impacts this, but it's going to be really one of these stories of this offseason because DeAndre Ayton, there are a lot of teams lining up to figure out Good. how can we acquire him. So you wrote a lot about this today, Gerald, and what it'll look like. Uh, what do you think – you mentioned how complicated restricted free agency mm-hmm. makes this in the sign-and-trade. What do you think is realistic here, uh, you know, and, and after hearing what Woj said? Yeah, I mean, it's obvious that, like Woj said, lots of teams are going to be lining up for his services, and rightfully so. We, You know, as much as we talk about how inconsistent he can be with effort and that – you know, focus, that type of thing, he's still a top five player at his position. And the Suns are not going to find anybody that's going to directly replace what he does on both ends of the floor in any facet, in any sign and trade. It's just not realistic. So if the Suns are going to do something like that, try to work off a complicated sign and trade or, or bring in a star, it's it's going to be replacing him by committee, by pieces, um, and hoping that a more perimeter-oriented attack is going to make up for that. I do think that there is a strong case to be made to not overreact to what we just saw, that this is fixable, that if anyone can get this group back on the same page after what we just saw, it's Monty, um, because they do have a strong relationship. Up until this point, they have had a good back and forth Um and, and I don't think that you should just give up on a 23-year-old who is just starting to scratch the surface of his potential. We saw last year when he's locked in how he raises their championship ceiling. Um, I do think that this was unfortunate and everybody's shell-shocked and there's a tendency to overreact. But other teams can only offer four years and $131 million to DA. And the Suns have the power to match any offer. Other teams will try to junk it up a little bit by adding in trade bonuses, by trying to go for a, maybe a shorter contract so that he's a free agent sooner, um, by front-loading the deal. Yeah, uh, yeah front escalators loading. by front-loading the deal. They'll try to throw different things in there that make it a little less uh, enticing for the Suns to match. But at the end of the day, if the Suns want DeAndre Ayton in Phoenix and they can't work out some sign-in trade, they have the power to keep him. That's where things might get complicated is if no one throws a, an offer at DA and the Suns have all the leverage and they're lowballing him. They're not going to give him that five-year max. Maybe they're not even going to give him the four years and $136 million that they can offer. Then we've seen restricted free agency get complicated where if the offers aren't coming in and guys are getting lowballed, then it becomes an uncomfortable situation. No deal gets done. And maybe DA plays out the season on a one-year qualifying offer, which would be uh, I think $16.4 million, and then he's an unrestricted free agent, and then you risk losing him for nothing next summer. So the absolute and, and last if he signs thing, a qualifying offer, he can't be traded, right? There's a no-trade. There's a no-trade clause yes. in there. Yeah. So if <laughs> that is the last thing that the Suns can do is allow their number one pick to leave for nothing, um, and that comes in the form of someone throwing an offer that they don't match. It comes in the form of him leaving an unrestricted free agency next summer, they have all, you know, we can agree that they didn't take the best player in 2018, but they cannot compound it by letting a really talented two way player who could be an all star in the next couple of years leave for nothing. You know, everybody likes to talk about Luka Doncic and how he was the best player in that draft, and deservedly so. He is. Mm-hmm. And everybody likes to use Sam Bowie. Sam Bowie wasn't even the first pick in the 1984 draft. Mm-hmm. It was Hakeem Olajuwon. Right. And that's what I keep saying is like, okay, you might have missed on Michael Jordan, but you, maybe you got Hakeem Olajuwon. And it took Hakeem about eight years to finally find a good groove um, in the NBA to be a dominant force. And DA's only in year four. Like, Hakeem didn't win his first championship until after Michael Jordan left in 1980, or in 1994, and he went back-to-back. Like, it takes some time for these guys to develop in a, in a system that that is consistent enough to develop in and I feel like right now like my my trouble with what the way Monty and the Suns have used Aiden is it there seems like there's no plan to develop that like yeah. I felt like at, at some point in the season 
it looked like there was. He was getting a lot of the the, the elbow jumpers. Um, they were finding him down low in the post. The, the hook was working. And then somewhere in the last week or two of the season and basically the entire playoffs, they just completely went away from that and didn't give him the opportunities to shine on offense as much as they had been. I, I really felt like I was like, oh, this is happening. This is working. And if you go back to all the shows that we did – I said that. I said, this is what we were talking about. Like, you got to keep feeding him, get his confidence up. And then they just, they panicked. Mm -hmm. The players panicked. They stopped using him. They stopped trusting him. And they went a completely different way. And everything just absolutely fell apart. I think panic is a a great, uh, is a great word when you're describing what happened in this series. It felt like they panicked in general and went away from a lot of things that they did that led to success. Not just, not just DA and, in this, but to your uh, to your nineteen eighty four draft comparison, I mean, there's no question that Marvin Bagley was the Sam Bowie yeah. of that draft. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a draft that also had Barkley going five. Like there were there was a lot of talent, and I don't think there's any denying that DeAndre Ayton is talented mm-hmm. uh, and and one of the best players that came out of that draft. Yes, Lucas should have been one, but Da is still a talented guy. You got to figure out what happens. One thing uh, before we get into our trade machine Tuesday, which we'll talk about potential trades, but how much does the question marks about the investigation and what may happen with ownership play into this as well? Because you may you may not have the same guy signing checks if that if this goes a certain way, and that could change the whole complexion of the way the franchise approaches how much money they're willing to spend too. It it very well could, and again, I think that before we even get to that point, like I said, the bridges have to be mended between Monty and DA because that's an uncomfortable situation, and it does make it feel like his days in Phoenix are numbered. Um, you know that that's the thing. Going back to that 1984 comparison, he's not Sam Bowie, but the difference is Hakeem was like an MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, All NBA, perennial guy. DA is not Hakeem in that regard, but if you win a title with him, then he becomes the Hakeem comparison in this draft. They passed up on the best player, but they were still validated because their guy helped them win a championship, and that's all that matters. Not a perfect comparison. Right, right. Uh, Did you see this? uh, Should we talk about this? Let's get into it after... Right. I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing this right now. We can, can bring we'll it bring, up. We'll bring it up with uh, with something else. But uh, you know, I've been I'm on some new medication, guys. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> what a segue. All right. <laughs> I, I've been feeling down because uh, because of what happened in Game Seven. I'm on some new medication. They're not they're not uh, in, oh, intertwined yeah. here, but it's been making apparently me ti- this is a safe space. It's been okay. making me tired, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but then I realized I hadn't been taking my athletic greens. And so this morning was the first time in a week uh, that I took it, and I finally am feeling like myself again, right? A little, a little bit more energy, I got uh, a, a little better. The I got only a fever, cure. and the only prescription is more athletic greens, baby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shit. I found that East Coast real quick. Didn't yeah. he? <laughs> hey, uh, but you know, one delicious scoop uh, of this gives you seventy-five high-quality vitamins that you're absorbing. Gives you a boost of energy like none other. I highly recommend it. Uh, and it supports better sleep, sleep quality and recovery. And God knows after this 82-game uh, <laughs> season and an eight, you know, or whatever, how many ever playoff games, 13, we're all a little 13, tired. 13 playoff six games. Six plus seven. We're all a little tired. Uh, Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. That's how many this podcast has, too, if you didn't know. Oh, no, but we're just going to say that Uh, it costs you less than three dollars a day. Plus, you're investing your health. Make sure uh, to visit athleticgreens.com slash sons and you're going to get a immune supporting vitamin D uh, supply for one year and a free five travel packs as well. When you purchase, Uh, just go to that. Once again, athleticgreens.com forward slash sons and start today. You know what I love about the about the Twitterverse is that people still, it's as if they didn't even watch the playoffs, will still say, oh, we should trade DA for Cat. <laughs> Did you not see Cat in the playoffs? My guy just That's absolutely disappeared. He had a couple of good games, but yeah, he was not. He's not. But, I mean, if we're going to go there, 
So did DA down the stretch of the map series. <laughs> Fair. If we're gonna go Let's, uh, we had a super chat I want to get to before we move into Trade Machine Tuesday here. Uh, Code donated, or donated, we're a charity now. He donated <laughs> $9.99 to us. Uh, Eaton showed how impactful he can be in that Pelican series, which, uh, yeah, you saw the flashes of what he can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, so him and Cat did play the first round. They did. They <laughs> <laughs> did. But I think you could argue we saw it in last year's playoffs. Absolutely. Yeah. Like th- yeah. There's no denying that. Uh, Psycho Blue, uh, the $2 Super Chat says, DA 2019 drug buzz. I love it. Made it sound like oh, he man. was some drug mule. Right. For the like, get the heck. Come on. Now. Plus the max equals new OJ Mayo. No. 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 Thank Anyways. you for the super chat. No. Yes, thank, thank you. For, <laughs> thank you for two dollars well spent. Uh, like I said, we'll read pretty much anything if you super chat. Yeah, it. Uh, don't say that. Don't give them I ideas. Don't know. Uh, anything, anything that's not slanderous or will get me canceled, I'll probably read in a super chat, which is different than Lindsay, but I'll do it. So let's talk about Trade Machine Tuesday. New yeah, but we're not we're the 1980s son, Psycho Blue. Come on now. <laughs> uh, look, Trade Machine Tuesday. Every Tuesday. During this offseason, we will discuss trades and potential things that people are putting in the ESPN trade machine. This will be the day we do it, unless there's a legitimate uh, rumor that has legs, mm-hmm. right? This is where we do speculation. It'll only happen on Tuesday. So don't expect it other days. This is when we're going to do it. Uh, and I want to talk about, before we start here, or as part of our start here, Flex from Jersey, our friend, had a couple tweets that I think lit the fuse on Trade Machine Tuesday. One yesterday, if we can get that one up on the screen, Flex said, going to be an interesting offseason Phoenix. I'm told Phoenix will have a unique opportunity to land a true superstar who wants to be in Phoenix with Book while allowing CP3 to take a lighter load as the third option at 37. Right place at the right time time situation for the Suns, eyes wide open emoji. And then... Do we have the second tweet here from Flex? This, just a second ago as the show was going on, I'm told Aiton has been internally expressing a desire to play elsewhere for months now. He wants to be a primary option, and he wants his money. This is why the Suns looked hard into Sabonis at the deadline, as noted in the tweet uh, that he had sent on February 5th. Suns knew this was coming and are prepared for the options. So, gentlemen, uh, trade season has begun, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think we all sensed as we talked about in the opening segment, a lot going on under the surface here. This may provide a little bit of, of a window into, into some of that. Mm. How do we feel now? Like we're looking at trades now. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, where, what are you feeling in terms of a DeAndre. Aiden and Zach Lowe thing. also confirmed the Sabonis State and things. Yeah, so. On his mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. Gerald, you look like you got you got. I those. got a lot of thoughts, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, there's another. Can I say this? Yeah, real yeah, quick? And then there's another one from Flex that says, the Suns will only do a sign-and-trade with Aiden that makes sense for them and brings in a star. Otherwise, they will let DA get a max offer sheet and simply match it. The Suns control this situation, not DA. Aiden's only leverage is signing a qualifying offer of 16.5 mil, which we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but trust me, he's not doing that. Yeah, I, I think the Suns still hold all the leverage, as Flex noted. Um, I think that's concerning to hear as a Suns fan that DA envisions himself as a number one option. I totally get wanting more money because we we were very adamant uh, seven months ago, whatever it was, that DA had done enough to earn a max contract. And even if he hadn't in a vacuum, even if he wasn't, you know, a true max player, as we were talking about, the moment Michael Porter Jr. got his deal, the market dictated that he was max worthy. And the Suns did not do their job and keep him locked in, keep everybody happy. That cultivates the disease of more, as it's called, except it's embarrassing because the disease of more usually applies to NBA champions. Champions. The the Suns went to the finals and got curb stomped the last four games. Like they went up 2 0. They had no, yeah. it drives me nuts. I would say game seven was more of a curb stomping. I, okay. <laughs> yeah, this shit definitely. Yeah. I mean, no, that's a curb stomping. You're right. But they got brutalized for four straight games. <laughs> they got They got reminded and they had plenty of fuel for this season. We saw the way that they took it out on teams all year. And then when it came time to back it up and to deliver, 
They didn't do that. So it's upsetting to hear that he wants to be a number one option because he doesn't have the skills as of right now to do that. He also doesn't have the leeway to kind of get those in-game reps to build on it, I think, because of the system. But again, I also do think with his current skill set, he is maximized in this Suns system. People keep talking about how Monty doesn't use him right and all this other stuff. Like, go back and watch the way that Igor used him and tell me that it's so much better than what we've seen from DA. Tell me that his when he is firing on all cylinders, when he is hustling, when he is focused and locked in, it doesn't make the Suns look unstoppable on offense. So there's a chance he could go to another team and really expand his game and individually make the Suns look stupid for the way that he grows as a player. But I have a hard time seeing him doing that on a team that is anywhere near as successful as what we see here in Phoenix. Yeah, there's a there's a certain level of uh, maturity like we just ta- I just talked about a little bit ago that needs to come with DA and mm-hmm. and you know for as much as I I've clamored for him to get the ball more and touch the ball a lot more um, there's also something to be said about developing his own skill set to a point where he he can do more like yeah. uh, you know handling the ball is one of those things where you just have to be able to handle the ball at a much higher level than you currently are capable of um you know you got to be much stronger down low how many damn times did we have to see in the Dallas Mavericks series him get come down with the rebound and then lose it as soon as he came back down like um his ability to hit the three and, and expand the court a little bit and be a perimeter player a little bit more you don't want him to live on the perimeter of course no, but of course. but being able to hit three to four threes a game would, ex, ex, you know, exponentially expand um, the offense in the game, similar to like uh, what a Robin Lopez is doing for the Bucks. you know. So there's there's things that DA is in full control of. And to Gerald's point, I agree. Like he has to take ownership of that and develop his own game to get to a point where he really, he truly could even fathomably be a number one option. But right now he's nowhere near a number one option. But I do like his mindset and thinking I need to be a number one. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of pressure that I don't think he realizes in order to be a number one, you got to be a number one. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't half-ass shit, especially if I turn on the tape and watch you play against the Mavericks or the Pelicans and you're kind of giving it 50% speed. Mm-hmm. That's not what number ones do. Devin Booker doesn't do it. Devin Booker had bad tendencies earlier in his career, but of late he's changed those tendencies around. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about the Mavericks series or the Game 7, <laughs> right. but in, in totality and, and why Devin Booker has improved so much is because he has. But this is about the point right here, guys, where Booker got rewarded and got he got his extension at year about four, three or four, three or four. Yeah. And and now he's, he's living up to that ex- expectation mm-hmm. of that max contract. DA's in that spot right now. What he does with this moving forward, whether it's on the Suns or not, is going to dictate – what level of greatness he can achieve in the NBA. And right now, let's be honest, he's 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 a good player, and that's it. Look, he's I just good. I don't have any problem with him wanting more touches. I would hope any guy would would want that for himself and try to accomplish more. But if he really thinks he's a number one, he should go look at the fact that he struggled at times to be a number three option here uh, at certain times this season and understand – that might not be the guy. He At this is. point, he should be the undeniable number two. You're right, but he's not. No, he's not yet. And and so I get it. Some team that's desperate that needs somebody will take a chance and say, "Hey, you can come be our number one guy." Right? And we've been there. We were there not too long ago with right. going after Lamarcus Aldridge and being like, "You can come be our number one guy." <laughs> right. Like we'll we'll sell the farm to just get you here. But, uh, you know. And, and that's the thing I want people to understand about. DA as a number one or even a number two option is like you look at the guys that are his size, his position that are number one options and they can handle the ball like Nikola Jokic can pass and dribble and shoot. He's a walking triple double. Giannis can dribble and cover ground with like two steps. Uh, Joel Embiid is a back to the basket traditional big, but he can handle the ball. He can step out on the perimeter. He can pass. He can do all of that. Like D.A. doesn't have that skill set with his handle or with his passing yet. He used to say he doesn't develop to some degree, but he's not at that level yet. So wanting to be that guy, you're going to have to show a lot more than you've showed to this point to prove to some team that you're capable of doing that. So so let's get to some specifics. Uh, Earlier, I think it was yesterday, Bill Simmons talked about this situation and one potential destination. 
Well, I think there was a lot of smoke with the Pacers in the eight and before the deadline. I do think that was being discussed. And, you know, I still think that's possibly in play for him. So I'd watch out for them. They, you know, they have Turner. There's moves you could make where you could make that a little more financially palatable. Turner's palatable. been a trade rumors for I know. He's, well, he's four like McCall. McCall really... finally got traded. So he brings up Indiana, but not talking in the past with Sabonis. He brings up Miles Turner as an option here. Here's our first trade machine uh, option. And there's a little flaw here, Gerald. You can yeah. get in into this, but let's show uh, the Turner trade option here that went into the trade machine. It was Miles Turner and uh, Chris, I always mispronounce his name, Duarte. Duarte. Mm-hmm. Uh, How do you mispronounce it? What do you say? Duarte? I like, I, I don't have, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not cultured in accents and everything, which we'll find out later. In cultured this show, in accents. Okay. Well, Chris, uh, Chris Duarte. Duarte. Uh, fine. Duarte. Chris Duarte. <laughs> Chris Duarte. Uh, anyways, for, uh, for DeAndre Ayton, there is a flaw here. What was put in for, uh, for Ayton's max salary is actually a million higher, yes. I believe, than it actually is. Can you, like, yeah. can you kind of walk us through what this would really look so like? So for a four-year max that any team signs, outside team signs DeAndre to, it would start at $30.5 million instead of 31.5, as was listed there. So when you do the math as far as the trade for Miles Turner's $18 million salary and Chris Duarte's basically $4 million salary, um, the Suns are getting $2.7 million in incoming trade value above what they would be able to accept in this scenario. So there so would have to, to be, yes, yeah. so there would have to be an additional piece sent out or something to make the math work. But if we're talking about basic framework of Miles Turner and Chris Duarte, <laughs> I don't know, guys. I don't well, know. Ju, real quick, you've asked, asked this several times, and we've mentioned it a million times. He's a restricted free agent, so if you were going to trade him, you would have to do a sign-and-trade. That's how that would work. Right, and, and as we talked about earlier in the show, sign-and-trades are difficult to navigate because you got three parties. You've got to get everybody on the same page and agree to. But um, Would you consider this? I mean, if this were what was presented uh, here coming up, would you be okay with as like a last resort, like my, you guys, <laughs> you guys, com- like people complain about DeAndre Ayton's rebounding. Wait until we introduce you to Miles Turner. <laughs> oh, man. That guy averages like five or six rebounds for his career. So um, like if we're talking about like soft big men and all that stupid shit, you're going to have a field day with Turner. If we're talking about Miles Turner, hey, you can color me not on board. <laughs> nope. Not even a little bit. I, I agree. Right. I don't think, I don't think this is getting the value that you're going to need to justify making this move, but I fear this is the type of deal that's actually realistic. That's actually going to be, if they pull the trigger, the kind of thing that comes to fruition. I know, I know that, uh, you know, that flex was talking about a superstar wanting to be here and, and all that, but I don't know that you're going to get there in a sign and trade with Deandre Ayton. I just don't, you know, KD gets brought up a lot. Mm-hmm. Are the Nets really going to trade KD for for a, a Max DeAndre Ayton? Do we want to go down this road again, there, Espo? <laughs> we can. I, mean, I remember a certain host once upon a time saying that Suns Nation was completely flipped on its head because there's no way we're getting Chris no, Paul. No, I said, and then the next day we got Chris Paul day. or the next week. It was, was not the next day, but let me say this. <laughs> yeah. That was a different situation. I have situation. receipts and I have that videos. Was, that was me thinking $44 million, the Suns wouldn't take it on based on what we had seen in their spending. This is saying, I don't know that the Nets are going to give up Kevin Durant for what amounts to DeAndre Ayton as the centerpiece. Have you seen the, the circus that is Brooklyn? I They'll get do that, just about anything. But I don't think you trade that piece. If they're going to move off somebody, I think Kyrie is that guy that they move off of, not Kevin Durant for DeAndre. Yeah, I mean, I I don't, I'm pretty sure Durant signed an extension with them, so he's locked in, so he would have to force his way out of Brooklyn. So, you know, Flex did allude to a superstar that wants to play with Booker and, and Paul here in Phoenix, so maybe, I don't, but I, that one's kind of pie in the sky. There's only scenario. one other superstar that I can think of that I know has been on record talking about how he likes Phoenix and, and what's going on and blah, 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 blah. And I don't think people are ready for that conversation. Should we say the name? Was it was it Dame? No. No. Who? Bronny. 
LeBron. Oh, oh boy. No, not yeah. Brawny. That's <laughs> no, that's yeah, the yeah. next no, uh, generation. Well, we would get Brawny if we got we LeBron. Would, we would have to get Brawny. <laughs> <Look, laughs> we will bring up that. We will bring up that in another trade yeah, okay. uh, right. uh, trade Fair machine enough. Tuesday where we actually look at it. But that whole the superstar verbiage, is, I think, is wishful thinking to try to pull it off. Uh, in this, so. I'm, just telling you, I'm telling you, man, just save these clips, man. I'm look, telling you, because if it happens, you it's know, gonna happen. I, I don't mind being wrong if you get Kevin Durant or <laughs> or LeBron James or some superstar in it. It just, I feel like that Miles Turner deal is more is more close to reality of what you're going to get in return if DeAndre Ayton is the the sole centerpiece of the deal. I think it is. And I think we should note that as much as that would be a pretty underwhelming return for D.A., because like we've said, you're not going to get a center that replaces what D.A. does. He's a top five guy at his position for a reason. Turner is a better shot blocker and he's a better perimeter shooter in terms of volume and and being relied on to shoot those threes. Um, But he's not particularly efficient with those three point shots. He's not a great rebounder, as we've said um, and we haven't really seen him in a playoff series be able to step out onto the perimeter consistently just because the Pacers haven't really been playoff relevant for a while. I like Duarte. I think he's a young player that you need cost-effective pieces on rookie-scale mm-hmm. deals now as you continue to extend your guys to keep them around. Um, we saw in the playoffs how important it is to have ball handling, to have shooting, to have scoring, guys who could just go get a bucket, but... Uh, yeah, that, uh, you don't feel good about that, and you hope that the system and the collective pieces can make up for it. But in reality, I don't know that it does. I I'm, think I th- oh, go ahead. I'm just to say, you want a clip that you can save. If he pulls off, if James Jones pulls off a deal for a LeBron, a Katie, a superstar, mm-hmm. and Da is the is the main piece, he is a freaking wizard, yeah. and I will go down there and do the say anything with the boombox and just pl- outside of outside of Footprint Center and play a love song straight at James Jones' office if he pulls off a deal like that. And I, I promise you, we'll film it. I'll do it if they pull off a deal for a superstar that that is based around a DeAndre Ayton. Is that well, something say, James wants? I, just, <laughs> I don't like, care if James he wants opens it. Up his, what the hell's going on out there? Who is this weirdo? Um, I forgot. I completely lost train of thought now because all I can hear is "In Your Eyes" by Peter Gabriel. In your eyes, oh, the light, the heat, James, you can't be defeated. Your That's eyes. Just so anyway, uh, let's speaking of oh speaking God. of something that James may not like. Let's take a look at a a fan trade proposal. This came to us from Twitter. Uh, this will be part of our Trade Machine Tuesday. Here is a look at a deal that that fans want to see. It's Damian Lillard uh, and Nurkic for Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. First off, would you do this? Yeah, but it's really like (laughs) the 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 separation is so marginal, and it's it's really Chris Paul in this that that that's the X factor Mm -hmm. because Yusuf is he's all right. He's a serviceable big man, but like he doesn't really move the needle for me. Uh, compared to DA, I think DA has no. got much more higher upside. Um, Damian Lillard, you know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, he's younger, you know. He's he he can shoot the three at a very high level. He can take over a game by himself. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul, it's just the injury factor, man. Like the, well, the I mean, injury in fact, factor. He's 37. Yeah, and he's 37. You know, like so. I, I mean, I I would probably do it just because you're going to get younger. Um, with a bona fide superstar coming in, but oh man, I, I don't know if that really makes you all that much better, to be honest. Dame is Dame is a flat out star, and he's the guy that you know that backcourt. You as much as we talk about how Chris Paul and Devin Booker are the best backcourt in the NBA, that would probably be a step up at this stage, just given the type of player that Dame is. But Nurkic is a league average center, and he comes with the same type of injury concerns that. A lot of the that you know we talk about Chris Paul, Nurkic is the same thing. Uh that's that's to and also I don't know that Portland would do this. Like, well, that was my next question. I don't think I Portland don't think does Portland this, does unless it. you're throwing in a first round pick or two <laughs> on top of that. Like the only way Portland, the, honestly, the only way any of these teams would do it is they they see such a big upside in DA that they feel like it's worth right. trading a, a key piece, or they have a disgruntled superstar, which yeah. Portland does. Dame, Dame has made it known like he is not happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as he says he still wants to stay in Portland, there's still that 
that underlying like you know darkness that that keeps prevailing that says but does he though like yeah. i i really feel like dame wants out for sure Dra- draft lottery could change a lot of that too if the if portland winds up with a you know first the first or second pick i mean that that may be who part they, of it. Who, and you can get and you can get to a max contract space if you're Portland. But the players well. that are coming out this year, they're they're it's, they're good, but they're it's not all about next hope, level though, great. Is what is what he's looking for. Well, the thing with Portland too is that like I'm pretty sure if they waive the Josh Hart, yes, they can get to max, max space and try to pursue DA without having to give up their franchise player. So yeah, but you don't you don't get a guarantee at that point because yeah, you don't. Let's you see, don't. the only match. other thing I would like to say about Dame. Is as much as I love Dame, he's like one of my favorite guards in the league. Mm-hmm. We've seen him play with another really, really good off guard mm-hmm. um, in CJ McCollum, and that whole thing just blew up. Like it just did not work for whatever reason. So him and Devin Booker coexisting, you know, like uh, yeah, I've kind of seen because CJ sucked as a defender though. Like I think that was like neither one of them guarded anybody, and that would be a real issue if you're trading Chris Paul for Dame Lillard because Lillard's not a great <laughs> defender. Book is when he's on a winning team, but what? Who's to say if they get off to a rough start, that continues? Like, Let's come back from fantasy land because yeah. that was a totally made up one. Uh, but what isn't fantasy is the fact that we're still dealing with COVID nineteen. We were doing the wheel. Co- we are. That's coming up next. <laughs> I gotta read. We, we have doing... sixteen ads in the show. Why are I gotta... we doing you it for every like ad? Three super chats too. We're, to get we're not to. doing so it. We're one's... not doing it in every ad oh, okay. because it's gonna take too long. This game sucks. Uh, we're officially in the play. <laughs> <laughs> now now I got old ad copy in here that's taunting me that says we're officially in the playoffs and the Suns are on oh, a hot streak. What anymore. is this? Good job, Max. <laughs> we're not in the playoffs. Update the ad but, reads, you loser. But if you're going out there to do things this summer, please be safe. Make sure to get your COVID-19 vaccines. They're free for everyone five and older. Those 12 and older are now eligible for boosters as well. Visit azhealth.gov slash vaccine. For a location near you. Do you want two for our game? I can leave two of our ad. I'm going to leave two. This is your All game. All right. Let's, uh, let's move into our final topic, our final segment of the show. We're going to do this throughout the offseason. Wait, 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 wait. Are we still, are we done with DA? Yeah, we're done with DA. No, 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 no. Wait. I want to hear what Perk had to say. We just completely oh, we missed out. Perk. We well, we're already at an Perk hour had, here. Perk, Perk had the best sound. Every clip Perk had it. the best soundbite of anybody, and you just disregarded that. We have literally, <laughs> we have literally shown we every did. clip where somebody said the words DeAndre Ayton on television. Today. But nobody says it like Ke- Perk. Let's show Perk. I love you, Perk. Oh boy. I blame Chris Paul and I blame Monty Williams why they didn't get the contract extension done. Because Chris Paul during last year in the post-game interview during the postseason, he said what? We're going to get you paid, big fella. We're going to get you paid. And DeAndre Ayton, look, the sky's the limit for this young man. And at the end of the day, everyone got a piece of the pie except for him. What he did to Jokic last year in the Western Conference Finals and to come into this season feel like feel, feeling like as the number one pick he's yeah. undervalued, to me, that's that's. Poor leadership and I don't blame him for actually getting into it with Monty Williams you know what I love Monty Williams but in this instant you got to get that big fella paid how the heck is this the best clip yeah, of the that's day that's the worst clip because he blames Chris Paul and how he blames fuck Monty is it Chris Paul's fault <laughs> Chris because Paul, Chris Paul front said fault. he was going to get paid and he lied but he had Chris Paul's decision <laughs> Chris Paul runs the Suns are you kidding me right now Chris Paul put him in position to get paid and DA put himself in position I honestly just like That's to hear I honestly just like to hear uh Kendrick Perkins talk about Devin Booker <laughs> <laughs> and Chris Paul got to got to give that man his money Hey we we want this guy on the show let's not do the impersonation <laughs> He won't even respond to our calls that's not true don't be rude Kendrick. i haven't called did you try the call unbox thing <laughs> I will, i'm gonna go out at the nba finals so kendrick perk is with the boom box begging him to come on the show anyway so can we go to yes. the next thing i was trying sure. to go to we're gonna be doing this on the show throughout drive this the car off the cliff all the time maybe it's, i wouldn't uh, have to steer geez, it <laughs> lindy's not here what do you want i'm doing my best all right if we thelma and louise we thelma and louise oh all right God. so anyways we're gonna do this uh, every day on the show it's called ad read roulette all right let's the go game baby. is simple we're gonna do 
paper, rock, scissors to see who has to do it. And then we get a wheel of accents or different things that you're going to have to read the ad as. Today, you got two ad reads you're going to have to do. OGs and uh, our friends at DraftKings. So let's start the paper, rock, scissors. Oh, All Jesus three of us Christ. will go. And then uh, it will come off. So let's paper, rock, scissors, okay, here, ready? boys. Ready? All right, so Saul's Damn out. It. <laughs> Damn it. Double whammy. So Saul's doing it. Yep. All right, let's Damn spin. It. Let's spin the wheel of ad reads. Let's see what Saul has to do this in. I didn't think of this, but let's look at it. Southern accent. (laughs) Saul, the stage is yours. Which one am I reading? You're reading DraftKings and OGs in the Southern accent. Oh, and OGs? Yeah. Or we can do a second spin, so you have to do a second. DraftKings and OGs. Okay. Well, hey. Uh, Mr. Saul Bookman in a Southern accent on the ad (laughs) read rule. Jesus Christ, this is going to be fucking terrible. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) You got to talk like molasses are coming out your mouth. So, (laughs) hey, listen up, y'all. The Miami Heat are minus two underdogs or favorites, right? I don't know. You're They're minus two yeah. favorites. And right now, if you use promo code PHNX, this is like a little bit of a Texas. Keep, keep going. <laughs> Texas is in the South. Just keep going. <laughs> minus two, uh, you will win a lot of scratch. Uh, as my friend Espo would say. Uh, so just go ahead and download the, the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code PHNX. And uh, new customers can bet just $5 <laughs> on any team to win and get $200 in free bets. Yes, they do. Yep, that, it's that simple. If they win, you win. You got to read the disclaimer, too. I got it. I got it. <laughs> so just go on now. Just go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code PHNX. Bet your $5. And remember... DraftKings Sportsbook, 21 and over. Arizona only. A gambling problem call 1 800 Next Step. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. <laughs> Would you like a second one for OGs or would you like to continue Southern? No, it's between you two for OGs. I'm done. All right, fine. Oh, let's, no, let's do this. Oh, oh yeah. Let's go, baby. Boy. Let's go. All right. Oh, why don't you guys just do the same thing all the fucking time? Let's let's spin the wheel as Gerald lost. God, I hope he gets Southern again. Am I even looking at the right one here? Okay. (laughs) It's Southern again. No, spin it again. We got to hear a different one. Let's spin it again. All right. uh, We've got... Uh, you have to do it as Monty Williams using Monty <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, my goodness. I really hope Monty never sees this. She's me trying to impersonate him by looking at the right ad here. <laughs> just, just OGs, OGs, my friend. Oh, man. I don't know how to do Monty. Like, you can just, just use Montyism. You don't have to try to do his voice. Just work in Montyisms into your ad. You can take that down. Ah, oh, man. This is going to be terrible. Uh, everything you want is on the other side of hard. <laughs> so stop by your local dispensary and uh, grab some amazing scratch-made THC gummies from our friends at OG's. Well done is better than well said. <laughs> I'm just throwing shit in it's there. Fine. It's fine. Go ahead. Different flavors like blackberries and cream and watermelon. So stinking good. <laughs> Perfect sweet. if you're in the mood for an uplifting sativa or a chill indica. <laughs> If you're freaking interested in trying the amazingly delicious variety of flavors that OG's Brands has to offer, go to ogsbrands.com. Don't get happy on the farm. That's ogsbrands.com to find OG's near you. I love that it was Monty oh my for a pot. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh my goodness! I don't I don't know how to do money. Well, oh, I thought that was, that was spectacular. That was, that was amazing. You would think uh, you think I rigged this because I didn't have oh to do my it. Goodness. Uh, we're gonna go more high tech tomorrow. It's not gonna be a wheel. It'll be some graphics. We'll do it. We'll do it up big. But that is a new uh, <laughs> a new thing that we'll be doing uh, with our ads. I think we've come to the end of the program, gentlemen. Anything else you'd like to discuss before we get out of here? I I just want to say that I feel like. Over these last 48 hours, it's been very easy to throw dudes under the bus, to turn on dudes on this team. And I do think we need to be cognizant of the fact that three years ago, we would have been ecstatic with a trip to the finals and a second round playoff exit. When Chris Paul first came here, we were just hoping that they would get a playoff series. And that was the goal. So I do want to say, like, as much as there's a lot of consternation over this DeAndre Ayton situation... I really do think that the best thing would be to bring him back to fix 
to mend those bridges and to come back stronger next season, tweak the roster however you need to outside of that. Um, but I don't want anyone to think that we're like out here advocating for DA to get traded no. or throwing him under the bus because this is a tricky situation and there are a lot of different factions, interests to that come into play here. I think you bring up an interesting point too. If the two seasons have been reversed and you had the mm-hmm. second round exit first with a right. bad game seven and then a trip to the finals, right. this all looks completely different yeah. as well. So I think that's a, a good thing to keep in mind. Saul, any final DA thoughts? Uh, somebody's really salty that I made fun of Perk. Oh, really? Did you make fun of Perk? Well, I said Devin Booker because that's well, the way But that's he says the way it. he says it. That's not making fun yeah, of him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, Simply pointing it out. Yeah, that's really that weird. Is that Perk in our chat, Angry? <laughs> maybe, maybe. He's I like, I want to see what this show's about before I go on it, and this was the day he tuned in. Well, we have a whole bunch of accents that we're going to use these ad reads oh, in, yes. so don't get your feelings hurt because, uh, yeah. Somebody's really trying things. to make this racial, and that's really stupid because uh, as a black man, you can go fuck the hell off. How about that? <laughs> okay? Can we go to the Super Chats? I'll read these before we get out of here. Jesus. Kelsey Smith, uh, 199 Super Chat, DA for Zion Williamson. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> Kelsey with another $199, uh, 199 Super Chat that J- uh, Jacob just scrolled past. Why did you just do that? Uh, why yeah. would you learn? Why would you learn? Why would you team Booker and with not Luca? Uh, look, Luca and Booker could have played together. We all miscalculated that. Yeah. We all own that. And then Code with the 999 super chat. We need a Devin Booker episode. I don't know how to feel about him anymore. And we'll never look at him the same way again after the antics of falling on his face. Well, guess what? I think we're going to talk Devin Booker tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So get ready for that, Code. Be back here at 2 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, and we will talk Devin Booker, and I think we'll do something fun as well because it's been kind of heavy the last three episodes, and we'll work in a little something fun uh, also with, uh, with the wheel of God. Why are we doing accents? <laughs> he is Gerald Borgay. Follow him at Gerald Borgay on Twitter. You can follow Saul at Saul underscore Bookman. The underscore is there because he'll be doing improv uh, with all sorts of accents. <laughs> and, you can put it there. You can follow us at phnx underscore sons. You can follow me at espo. Remember, we're here every day at 2 p.m. if you're a Valley sicko and need your son's fix. Ahoy, hoy. <laughs>